Hey there, Mission Point Church family. This is Pastor Stephen. Uh, I'm really excited today because I get to introduce to you one of my dear friends, Parker Bradley. Uh, some of you may remember or have recalled whenever I've shared some of the story of when Tiffany and I were transitioning from Oklahoma to Tennessee. Parker is the guy that uh, literally brought us in. We got to live uh, with him for about a year and a half. Sorry, Parker, much longer than we anticipated. Uh, but Parker is a man of humility. He is a true servant. He loves the Lord, but above all else, he loves the Word. And uh, I invited Parker specifically if he could be a part of here at the beginning of our Amos study, if he would be willing uh, to, to speak today while we're, while we're out of town. Because he has such a love for the minor prophets. He's literally actually written a book called The Twelve, which is about the 12 minor prophets. And I know that he might not offer this, so I want to offer it for him. I asked him to bring some books. They'll be in the foyer area. You can purchase those. You can get him to sign it. He's the author. He's here. But it's genuinely, it's my most valuable resource when I'm studying through any minor prophet to preach on. And I would highly recommend it. But uh, man, I just hope that you guys have a wonderful time with Parker and that you would join me in welcoming him uh, to Mission Point as he comes and preaches. be here. Yeah, well, now that Stephen's away, I, I have an opportunity to tell you what I really think of the guy. <laughs> no, Stephen, uh, Stephen's one of the good guys. And uh, any opportunity that y'all have to spoil him and Tiffany, y'all take it. So I'll make them some cookies, take them by something, because they're tops. They're tops. Um, that being said... <laughs> This is one of the most difficult passages that uh, we're going to go through. So I think he, you know, timed his, his break just right because he's like, I ain't, I ain't preaching through that. So um, I'm not a, a pastor, but I'm a, an author and a Bible study leader. And so we'll walk through the text together as kind of I would that way. But uh, so we're going to walk through some difficult text today, but it's going to end well. So hang with me, okay? It's going to end well, but this will be uh, some tough stuff. Let me say a quick word of um, prayer, and we'll jump right in. Blessed Father, I pray that you would guard us and guide our minds and help us, Lord, to understand what you have to say to us today. Blessed Spirit, be with us. Help us, Lord, um, to take in what we hear today and um, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ through it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to be in Amos. Uh, we'll start in 1, um, and I'm going to really uh, refer to some verses in chapter 2. But um, So yeah, I've already started Amos. That's awesome. Um, this section is going to be Amos' kind of opening uh, salvo kind of there. So he is uh, standing there in the godless city of Bethel, which is in the northern kingdom. Y'all talked about that, northern, southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is going to be Israel. The southern kingdom will be Judah. 
Okay, so he's really going to be speaking to the northern kingdom here. And uh, I'm just going to um, go through and uh, reference uh, some of these things that he's going to say here um, and not read them directly. But uh, so, yeah, we're going to go to the bottom. So this is going to be kind of the bottom here, all right? <laughs> so hang with me. So this is what's going on uh, in the world around them uh, and in the kingdoms there. So uh, what, what Amos calls out, he uses a, a, a phrase. He says, for three transgressions of... X, and for four, I will not revoke punishment, or I will not relent. So that's what God is saying to the people. For three transgressions for four, interesting phrase. Three in Hebrew understanding is going to be kind of a picture of completeness. Okay? So uh, for three transgressions, they kind of, over a long period of time, a very patient God has been calling out, whatever, but over a period of time, they've kind of filled it up, right? It's complete. And number four is what's going to push them over the edge there, okay? So that's where we're going to go, and I think you're going to be on God's side with this, because <laughs> this is going to be pretty bad, all right? You ready? So three transgressions of four. Let's list some of the uh, number four transgressions here to where God said, no more, okay? The people of Damascus were, let's see, how do I... I'll just say this. There are no kids in here. I'll just read this. The people of Damascus were threshing people from neighboring Gilead, likely plowing over them while alive as a method of human atrocity and torture with spiked and heavy metal instruments supposed to be used for breaking up wheat. Okay? Yuck. Let's keep going. The people of Gaza were kidnapping whole families from nearby areas and selling them off into slavery and human trafficking. Let's keep going. <laughs> the people of Tyre also sold whole families into slavery to far-off people and went back on the covenant of peace made earlier with Israel. The people of Edom hacked with swords the people of God in a time of uh, vulnerability and showed no pity to young or old in their violence. All right? Yeah, let's keep going. The people of Ammon... I'm just going to say performed, let's say, forced abortions, okay? Okay. Uh, on pregnant women um, there in the area as a method of population control to enlarge their border, okay? People of Moab committed atrocity, desecration by digging up a rival nation king's dead body and burning his bones in hateful spite. <laughs> And then the people of Judah, though they were God's people, rejected the law and covenant God made with them through Moses and uh, ran after the pagan gods of the nations you see addressed here. All right. There you go. So this is kind of where, where Amos is going to start here. So if I'm, in, if I'm in Bethel, if I'm in the northern kingdom, all of these kings I'm addressed are the ones all around me. Right? I've got all these rival nations that are warring and all these kinds of things, and so I'm probably going to be real happy. God's going to step up. God's going to step in and do something to these people around me, giving me all this trouble, including the southern kingdom. Well, <laughs> next verse is for Israel, and then the remainder of the book of Amos is for the book of Israel. It's for his people. So this is directed to God's people. And um, 
there's something, two things I want to point out real quick. One, God knows what's going on in the world. Okay? So that's one thing. If you read the Minor Prophets, that's one thing you're going to pick up on really quickly. Yes, he sees what is going on. Yes, he does. Today, in the world around us, the stuff you see on the news, God knows what's going on. Is God going to work in the world today? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Why? Because he loves us. Okay? I hope you can have picked that up through Amos. Right? So here we go. One, God knows what's going on in the world. Um, and then point two, with God, it's, it's always personal. It's always personal. Our salvation through Christ Jesus is personal. We come to Christ. Um, we're not adhering to uh, some sort of set of a religious value or something like that for some aloof, distant God who is unapproachable, anything like that. Through Christ, we're brought near. Ephesians, you who are far off were brought near through the blood of Christ Jesus. Right? Close. And that's the, the, the thing that... Uh, I think we're going to find in Amos is that it's personal. In Amos 3.2, y'all going to stay with me now. Just stay with me. Uh, Amos 3.2, uh, God says this, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. It's personal. You only of all the families of the earth have I known. Therefore, God's going to step in because he needs to. Okay? So the question that, um, that just comes to mind is, so what's the big deal here with, with Amos directing all of this uh, to God's people? And there are two things I want to bring out real quick that I hope are, uh, are things that will illuminate and then also encourage us. You got your Bible? Flip with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. You there? Deuteronomy 4. Let's start there in verse 6. Um, Moses is encouraging God's people to keep the law, to keep his commandments, to follow God closely, and he gives a good reason why. So let's look at this real quick. Moses says this, Keep them, the laws, and do them, uh, for that will be your wisdom, and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples. Okay? Hang on. Who, when they hear all the statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is wise and an understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Okay. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Deuteronomy 4 seems to say that one thing God really wants for his people is for the world outside to be able to look at how God's people react, live among each other, 
and relate to God and say, God is a good God because of how his people relate to each other and to him. God wants the world to be able to see his people and understand his character by how his people live, right? That, that seems like Deuteronomy 4 there. Encouraging. Let's look at something in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. I promise we're not going to go all over the Bible today. This is the last time. The 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Y'all may know this one. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 uh, and through, uh, down there through 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, yeah, you know this one, is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Old has passed away, new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Okay? So you see, Deuteronomy 4, God wants the world to look at his people and see what kind of God he is. And we see in, in, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians that God wants the world to do the same for us as Christians today, to be able to uh, understand him through our relationships and how we live. Okay, that being said, eh, we got to read it. We're going to read it. All right, so let's go to Amos chapter 2. Let's go to Amos chapter 2. So now we get to Israel. For three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth. They turn aside the way of the afflicted. A man and his father go into the same girl, so that my name, my holy name, is defamed. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. Okay, let's break this down a little bit. Let me read something if I could. All right. Give me a quick minute. We're going to run through this. Not the pagan world. God's people. Okay? God's people. Had corrupted the courts so that the innocent and the poor had no voice and were abused by the powerful through bribes. That's what we see here in Amos 2. They then treated the needy with less worse than a, worth than a pair of sandals. The value of a single human life was disregarded completely. The cities of Israel had become major economic centers, especially Samaria and those on major trade routes. In lusting after the goods and status of the pagan world, God's people trampled the heads of the poor into the dust instead of showing compassion. 
Those deemed undesirable were pushed off the road, out of the way of the high and mighty. A man and his father had relations with the same temple uh, prostitute and perverse fertility cult rites like the ungodly pagan nations around them. This action was expressly condemned in the Mosaic Law. Although the law forbade taking of someone's clothes or garment overnight as a method of payment of debt, God's people did it anyway. And likely used that same poor man's cloak to lay on the ground. To have relations with the temple prostitute, they were using at a pagan shrine or altar. Okay? Sorry. This is it. They overtaxed and put excessive fines on people's livelihoods so that the people uh, couldn't sustain themselves. They filled their bellies with what they took by force and even used that extra wine in obligatory temple services to God. All of this led to one overarching result. My holy name is defamed. Amos. God's people. Okay? All right, so you tell me. If God's character can be seen through the way his people treat him and one another, what kind of God is God from this list here? If you're looking in and saying, what kind of God is God? I'm going to look at his people. What kind of God is he? Well, let's go through this list. Okay? <clears throat> He's no different. He's no different from any other man-made pagan god. There's no difference. Because he is uh, he's devious. He's perverse. He has no compassion on the poor. He approved of prostituting women as his people gloried in their lust. He was fine with fertility cult prostitution. He left the afflicted in their pain and hardship showing love to no one who could not give him something in return. He devoured the righteous and crushed the poor who had no political power. That was God's character of seeing by what his people lived their lives out of his children. Okay. Is that his character? Is that God? No. So do you see why God may turn up the volume a little bit in Amos? What was the world saying about God because of how his people were treating each other and treating him? All right? It means something to be a child of God, right? There's something... Um, there's something that I want to look at real quick. I promise we're going to end happy, but I want to take one more step, okay? One more little step. All right, here we go. These kind of questions, what Amos is inviting us to do is to draw near. What Amos is inviting us to do is draw near to God who loves us. And sometimes when you draw near to God, there's some things that can't come with you. All right? Sometimes there's some things maybe we allow back in. Maybe some attitudes, perspectives, habits, practices, relationships. 
and maybe some things that when we draw near, God may be saying, that may have to go. Or it needs to be redefined in a godly fashion. That's a tough question. And there's something that I want to look at. <laughs> there's something that I want to look at. Um, Amos is an invitation uh, to come near. You may call it a come to Jesus moment, <laughs> right? But there's something I want to talk about that I think is really, really great and is what's really going to help because um, I think this is beneficial. Oof. I want to talk about something that I'm going to affectionately call the furnace of God, okay? Now, that sounds awful. It's the best thing. It's the very, very best thing. Because the tough, tough as nails, men and women of God, got that way. Um, not because God necessarily made their lives easier, but because God carried them through difficulty. And they stayed with him through it. Now, it's easy. It's easy to jump out when it gets hot, right? It's real easy to jump out when it gets hot. But what God wants us to do is to stay near. And I want to talk about the furnace of God, and I want to talk about it this way. James 1, and then I'm almost done. James chapter 1. Y'all know this one. We don't even need to turn to it. Y'all got this in memory. You can turn to it if you want to. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it pure joy, right? Remember this? When you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness do its work so that you may be perfect and ready for every good work that God has for you to do. All right? Testing of your faith. Let's look at that real quick. I learned this. I don't speak Greek, but I learned this. In James's day, when a potter would fashion a piece of uh, pottery or, or, or some kind of a vessel, he would fashion it, but it wasn't ready for use until it went into the fire, right? It went into the kiln. It went into the, the firing process. If it made it through and didn't crack in the firing process, he wrote a word on the bottom of it. That word was dokimos, D-O-K-I-M-O-S. That means it made it through. What testing of your faith, you know where that word comes from? Dokimos. Okay? The furnace of God produces. It doesn't just hurt. It isn't just difficult. The furnace of God produces what? Steadfastness. Tough as nails, men and women of God, who will go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil in prayer for you if you need it. You know some of those people. Steadfast. Faith is what's up. And uh, Amos is a little bit of a furnace. You're going to love going through this book. But remember what the purpose of all this is. is to produce steadfast faith in God. The last thing I want to say is uh, chapter 5. 
And we don't need to turn to it. Amos 5, y'all will get to it later. But Amos 5 says three things. Uh, he, says, he says one thing three times. And this is it. He says this. Seek me and live. He's talking to the people of Israel. You saw that list? Remember that list we just went through? That you were going, that's in the Bible? <laughs> that list? He's talking to those people. Even now, seek me and live. The goal of Amos is abundant faith in God. The goal of uh, the work of God in us that the furnace produces is steadfast faith and abundant life. I want you to know where Amos is going. That's where he's going. Steadfast faith, abundant life. And um, <laughs> it is our best friends who are going to have that sit-down talk with us, right? It's our best friends who are going to say, I've noticed some things. It's our best friends who are going to do that. You want to know why they do that? Because they love you. Because they love you. Amos and the minor prophets care enough to stand between us and the edge and say, you need to think about this. <laughs> right? They're your best friends in Scripture. So I hope you see that as you go through Amos, and I hope that this is, is encouraging as well. Um, one thing that I would like to do, though, and I know for me personally, this brings to mind some things in my life. This also brings to mind people that I love that I need to have conversations with. And so what I might want to do is, is just take a, about a minute or two and let's bring things uh, before the Lord that he may uh, be laying on us, uh, on our hearts right now. Um, and welcome, welcome the work of God that is deep, is deep but produces steadfastness, steadfastness and abundant life. There may be someone on your mind right now that you need to have a conversation with because you've noticed some things, right? You may need to be that best friend. You may be that person right now who says, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I got to lay this down, right? You may have been there. You, you may be on the way there. I don't know. But let's take a moment and uh, just take like a minute or two and just bring these things before the Lord. If there's something in your heart that you want to lay down, if there's someone on your heart, God, please prepare me to have a conversation because I need to. Let's take a moment and do that right now. And then I'll close this out in prayer.
Blessed Father, I thank you for your holy word. I thank you that your call to us is seek me and live. I thank you that through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, you bring us close. You don't keep us far off. You bring us close. Lord God, I pray that today, this afternoon, Lord, that you would uh, give us the strength to lay down what we need to lay down before you. And, oh, Lord, to pick up what we need to pick up. And, Lord, for those people that are on our minds and hearts that we're praying for now, Lord God, give us the strength to have the conversations that we need to have for your glory's sake and your work in their lives and in our own. Thank you, Lord, for your strong words in Amos. And thank you for your love that is behind every one of them. I thank you for this wonderful church. I pray for your great blessing on everyone here today. And I pray for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.